ask you to remain standing a moment longer as we read this morning's gospel. I'll be reading from Luke's gospel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall, shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This week, as we've heard from the prophet Malachi and also the prophet Isaiah through Luke's gospel, I, I was uh, thinking of this theme, Refine, uh, for today. And of course, we have the gold and silver imagery that Malachi uh, uh, spoke of. And I found a story, a short story, uh, that comes from many, many years ago, a time when uh, a group of Apache Indians uh, in the Old West attacked a cavalry unit, and in the midst of the, the, the cavalry unit retreating, they left behind the paymaster's safe. And so the Apaches there, this group of Apaches, captured this safe, and they tried to open the safe up. They used their tomahawks and, and beat on the safe. Uh, they... They roped the safe to, to a horse and, and dragged the safe across the ground trying to get the safe to come open. They, they put the safe in a fire hoping they could burn the safe open. They knew, you see, that there was gold in that safe. It was the paymaster's safe. They finally, uh, even after putting some gunpowder on it and trying to blow the safe up out of frustration, they took it to a cliff, this safe, and they dropped it over the cliff to see if the fall would, would open the safe to no avail. No, so the, the, the Apaches left frustrated. It was a time later when uh, uh, the cavalry came back uh, and actually found the safe at the bottom of the cliff, and the paymaster, with just a few twists of a wrist, opened the safe up, and there was the gold still inside the safe. You know, the, the paymaster knew the combination and was able to gain access. I think a lot of things in life are kind of like that. We try to get at something, and we just don't know the combination to get at it. We try, and we try, and we're unsuccessful, and so many times we go away frustrated. For some of us, I think maybe our faith can be like that. We can try and try. We, we hope to make sense. We look for truths. We... And without having the right combination, we just seem to be unsuccessful. And so many times, brothers and sisters go away in frustration. We need someone who knows the combination. 
At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But as I said last week, friends, we're not in Christmas. This is not the Christmas season for the church. This is the Advent season. When Christmas gets here, we'll celebrate the birth of Christ. But until then, the season of Advent is a time of preparation. We are preparing for the comings of Jesus. So we use terms like prepare the way. We hear from prophets like Malachi and Isaiah who, who remind us of this need to be prepared. 400 years before the birth of Christ, the great Greek philosopher Plato uh, tried to, to give people a, an understanding of where humanity was in life. And he used an image. I'm not going to read what Plato wrote. But, but in a sense, what Plato said is humanity finds itself in a darkened cave. And it's as if the meaning of life can only be understood as shadows on the, on the walls of this cave. We have these blinders on. And we just don't see the reality of life because we're in this dark place. The ancient theologian Origen came along and he tried to, to bring meaning to what Plato had said. And, and Origen said for Christians, he said if we could just kind of uh, look at life as a, as a large statue, a statue that we were having trouble seeing because of its, of its stature, now, this is a long time before uh, aerial photography, NASA's space shots, drones. This is origin. He's an ancient theologian. But he said if somehow we had a, 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 an image that was scaled down, but to scale, scaled down so that we could take it all in, then we could have this illumination to the meaning of life. And he says that is what God has done in Jesus Christ. God has sent His image, God's image, into the world in the form of Jesus so that we can, at our human level, begin, begin to grasp the nature of God and this relationship that we have to our God. And so think of that, that, that Jesus has come into the world, and yes, in a few weeks we'll celebrate baby Jesus, but today we have adult Jesus, and we have in today's gospel text Jesus' cousin, John the Baptizer who is bringing us this prophetic word just like Isaiah and Malachi did centuries earlier. Be prepared for the coming of the messenger, God's messenger, his son, Jesus, who is the Christ. So in today's story, Luke, uh, Luke does us a, a favor that some of the other gospel writers don't do. It's not that they don't want to do, but it was not as important to them. But Luke grounds today's story in a very real time. Let me read to you again what he says. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor, Herod was ruler, his brother Philip was a ruler, uh, Lysanias was a ruler, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, he has given us a time stamp. And what Luke is doing for us is showing how important it is in human history that God is doing something new. Now, I'm not saying this wasn't important to Matthew and Mark and John, but for Luke, he wants us to know, he wants us to be able to, for the sake of history, to be able to go back and say, well, gosh, this is happening about A.D. 28 or 29. That's when Tiberius came to rule. 
And so we have this gift. We, we actually have a time stamp to, to, to estimate how Jesus is, how old Jesus is. And from the story as it progresses, we know that, that Jesus is in his early 30s uh, as he begins his adult ministry. But here in today's story, we have the secular coming up against the spiritual. The secular of the world, the imperial government. The church that's missing its mark is represented by Annas and Caiaphas. And we have God coming into the world in a powerful way. And then 30 or so years later, Jesus, the adult Jesus, entering into his adult ministry. And he comes to his cousin John, who is baptizing out in the wilderness, preparing people with a message of repentance. Change your direction. Find God. Find God's righteous ways and come to live like that. John is not preaching a message of getting pious. He's not saying, go, go back and start going to Sunday school. Go back and, and read your Bible every day. Go back and, 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 and rise up to a higher moral statue, stature. He's, he, that may be part, but that's not what he's trying to get at. He is telling us, friends, that God is coming into this world, bringing in a new reign of God that, quite frankly, is going to be at odds with the ways of the world, including the imperial government and its desire to control the world. So this is a story, you see, about our awareness and our preparedness for living life differently. It's as if John the Baptist is acknowledging that labor pains are going on prior to the birth, this birth of a new thing that God is doing. Yes, God brought hope into the world when His Son, Jesus, is born in Bethlehem, but all the rest of the years, the rest of the days, the rest of the months, of our lives, Jesus doesn't come to us as the baby Jesus. He comes to us as the adult Jesus, inviting us to follow. And oftentimes, friends, that rubs our friends raw. They don't like us being changed. They don't like us standing up for the, uh, the favorites of God, the least, the lost, the oppressed. They would rather us be more like them, more like this world that we find ourselves living in. So this message that John the Baptist is bringing about being prepared, this message that comes from a time of Isaiah and Malachi, back long ago when, when the way was not about Jesus because the Jews were trying to figure out a way home from exile in Assyria and Babylon, they were literally looking for a highway to follow. And yet as Christians, we understand this text to be the way of the Lord. Jesus Christ. That's the way that we are invited to follow. And so we use this season as a time of preparedness when the world doesn't like our message, doesn't like some of the things that we do. There's a, a story from a, a football player played for the University of Alabama back in 1975. His name was John Croyle. Uh, John Croyle would have a son that would also go on to play in the NFL, but but John Croyle was a, a devoted Christian man, uh, so much so that uh, he, uh, after marrying, he and his wife uh, built a ranch, and they named uh, this ranch that was intended for, for young men the Big Oak Boys Ranch. And over time, the Big Oak Boys Ranch 
worked with at least 2,000 young men, young men who had uh, fled their own uh, uh, times of oppression or abuse, whether it be from family or friends. Uh, this was a place where young men uh, found hope in life. And so Croyle and his wife were dedicated to a ministry to, to lift the spirits of these young men. Uh, in, I believe it was 1988, a young 12-year-old girl who had been abused uh, was, was before the court, and John Croyle asked the court to allow this 12-year-old girl to come to the Big Oak Boys Ranch, and the courts denied his request. Three months later, the young girl was beaten to death by her father. Uh, so John Croyle and his wife dedicated uh, more time and money to building a girl's ranch. And so in 1988, the girl's ranch was founded. Yet, And, and Croyle said that, look, through, through love and through faith and a little hard work, we offer hope and opportunity for these young people in a world that, first off, the courts denied the hope that we offered initially to this little 12-year-old girl named Shelly. But here forward, we want to give hope to girls as well as boys. And John Croyle said, you know, I, you know how the kids know I love them? They tell me. They said, we know, Mr. Croyle, you love us because we live in a house that's bigger than yours. Friends, that's what Christians are committed to doing. Making hope and peace, forgiveness, some love, and even joy to people who are downtrodden. And so during this season of Advent, when we talk about pre preparation, if we don't reorient our own lives, how can we be effective in offering God's hope to this world? If we're not willing to be changed ourselves, it's a real uphill struggle to be genuine people of faith. And so we go through hearing messages like we do today. Prepare the way. Prepare your way. Prepare your life for the comings of the Lord. By this time when Luke has written his gospel, by this time when Jesus obviously is being baptized by John the Baptist, Jesus is no longer the baby boy. And so we can't stay in that time of, of swaddling cloths, of this great light coming into the world. No, we... We are called to be people of a great light coming into people's lives every day, not just on December 24th or 25th. We are invited to be people who are being changed by God's miraculous love for us. So God communicates God's love to us in these ways, through the prophets, through the birth of His Son, through Jesus' own cousin, John the Baptist, and ultimately in Jesus himself, we see this amazing love that God has for us. French author uh, Balzac uh, said, this is, a, this is a little bit of an older story. He, Balzac was this French author, and he, and he thought he could interpret people's personality simply by looking at their handwriting. He could analyze somebody's handwriting and just speak to their to their personality, speak to their humanity. And one day a, a, a little lady brought some old homework and, and put it before Balzac and, and, and asked him to look at that. And, and he looked at it and he looked up at the lady and he said, is this your son? No, it's not. And he looked at it again and he said, Do you, are, are you good friends with this person? She said, no, 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 there's no, absolutely not. And he said, well, I can tell you that this youth 
who wrote this is slovenly, probably stupid, and will never make anything in their life. And she said, ha, this is some of your homework when you were a teenager. (laughs) It's a cute story, friends, but that's what God does to us. He comes to us times of Advent, Lent, and he points to sometimes our slovenliness, sometimes our stupidity and our laziness, and reminds us that if we are going to be people of the way, the way of Jesus, it requires us to be changing people, changing to be more like our God as we see through Jesus this gift that God sent into the world so that you and I can have this kind of life. So yes, we're going to celebrate Christmas in a couple of weeks, but right now, it's Advent. And we are invited, we are invited to turn our lives over to God, to be prepared for the comings of Jesus, not just as a baby, not just as adult Jesus, but for the promised return of Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is the Christ who is hopefully the Lord of your life, the Lord of my life. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.